Welcome to the Bike Pack Adventures Podcast. I am your host, Chris Panaski. This podcast was created so as to share the stories of bike tours, bike packers, and endurance cyclists from around the world as they embark on amazing adventures. Through their stories, you'll be able to learn the ins and outs of bike travel. You'll get insight into various countries and cultures around the world, hear fantastic stories of their journeys. Through both mine and my guests' experiences, you'll learn about the pros and cons of specific gear, bikes, and bike setups. If you're new to bike travel and considering going on an adventure, I hope the podcast provides you with that extra little bit of motivation to make it happen. I want to thank Panorama Cycles, Redshift Sports, Restrap, Race Day Fuel, and Brockman Cyclery for supporting Bike Pack Adventures and helping to keep me on the bike. Check out the show notes for more information about these amazing companies. Thanks and keep on pedaling. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Bike Pack Adventures podcast. In today's episode, I'm going to be starting something a little new, something I've been thinking about doing for quite some time. And uh, it just turned out to be the perfect time. This little series is going to be called Bikepacking Beyond Borders. And it's going to focus on a country every episode. So it's probably not going to happen necessarily every month. That's kind of the aim. We'll see what happens. Um, You know, I am a father and a teacher and busy and all that with work as well. So we'll see how it goes. But in this episode, we are going to be talking about Japan. So Passport Japan. Um happy to have Carl Presso with me today. He's previously been on the podcast. He even hosted an episode once upon a time a while back. And um, he recently got back from bikepacking in Japan. And I spent a lot of time in Japan over the past, uh, well, not so much in the recent few years, but uh, prior to COVID, my son is there and I've spent a ton of time there. And I have a lot of the insights as well into uh, how to live cheap and uh, get around. And then Carl has the bikepacking experience. So I thought it's quite a good combination and uh, super happy to have him here with me. Carl, welcome back to the podcast. Hi, Chris. It's been a while. It's been a while, right? Well, I mean, not since I saw you, but since we've done anything on uh, audio together. Yeah, I would say it's about time. It's not, it's been a while. Let's say that. (laughs) Yeah. So are you all ready for the uh, winter season or what? Oh yeah, my fat bike is prepped and I'm just waiting for it now. Like ski season, it's going to be awesome. I hope so. But like fat bike season, snow or no, no snow, you can always ride. So, yeah, eh, you know, I just got, um, I just got a set of skis for the chariot. So I'm super stoked on that. Oh yeah. To put the kid kid in the chariot. Um, So let's dive into this. Uh, It's obviously, this is not meant to be a podcast about us. Um, So let's talk about Japan. So for those that don't know, Japan is an island nation. Uh, If you didn't know that, well, now you do. It is um, really, really Japanese, homogenous, 99% or something. It's, It's a huge number of ethnic Japanese people. So you're going to stand out if you go to Japan, you know, um, <laughs> I think that's pretty obvious. Um, I'm not hundred percent sure if 95% coverage in mountains, but it is a lot and it's really, really high. So, uh, what do you want uh, to add? I will tell you, yeah. yes, it's 95%. I just, I'm just back from Japan actually. And yeah, yeah. Uh, mountain is a good description for this country. Yeah, and it's not like the it's not like the little rolling stuff that we have here in the oh, Laurentians no. and stuff uh, in Eastern no. Canada. It's it's um, more like the Rockies, big big mountains. 
Well, yeah. maybe not that big, but there's lots of areas that have big mountains. Uh, actually, um, I've, I was with a, I was cycling the country with a friend, and he told me it feels like the Rocky, but not as the Rockies. Um, how can I say that? The Rockies are so big that you will never see the top of the mountain. As in Japan, when you're riding, you kind of see the top and it's really steep and you know you have to go up there. While in the Rocky, you mm -hmm. will ride up a mountain and then go to another one and then go to yeah, another yeah. one and then you'll be higher. And it also seems that like um, we tend to go through the valleys with our roads where then it seems like mm -hmm. they just drive all the way to the peak and then come flying down the other side for some reason. But I guess we'll get into that. Uh, for people that don't know, Japan has a really dense population, mainly because the vast majority of people live in these valleys. And, um, you know, there are about 144 million people in Japan. Uh, 40 million of those live in the greater Toronto area, <laughs> Toronto, greater Tokyo area. And uh, roughly 20 million in the metro Osaka area. So it's, you know, those two cities are really jam-packed and they're by no means the only ones, right? So... Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I was reading your, your I could, notes. I could like see you reading. Um, yeah, yeah. Tell us about the islands. Um, you know, and there's obviously more than four. It's a. I don't know why I wrote that, but uh, yeah. Like the, the four main island, actually, Sakhalin. Uh, what is this one actually? Oh, the Sakhalin Islands. So they're a part of Japan, but they got stolen by the Russians, the Soviets, and um, oh, so they're they're Japan still claims them as theirs. They're they're definitely occupied. It's, they're they're under okay. Russian control. Okay, uh, this but is I added I it just because it's it's kind of the no, most northern island that people tend not yeah. to know about. You can't go. It's there, actually so. funny. Yeah, it's actually funny because when I read it on your document, I was like, "This is not a Japan island." And then yeah, I think it's a. That's probably it's why a, you were staring at the screen. You're like, "What is this?" <laughs> yeah, I was looking at it and I was like, "What is this island? Where? Why didn't I see it on the yeah, map?" Yeah. Um, Hokkaido is the is the northernmost official claimed island, um, which is more savage and um, savage and mountainous. There's more agricultural like heritage up there. Uh, after that, you get Anshu. Anshu is the big one, um, and you get Shikoku, which is south in the middle of the uh, in the middle of Anshu. And uh, you got Kyushu, which is the tropical one, the southernmost yep. of the the landmass. And you got Okinawa, which is actually 600 kilometers down um, the ocean, the Pacific Ocean. So most of the people will go to Okinawa or uh, the main island. Okay. Yeah, and I think Okinawa really gets like kind of lumped into like a Hawaii-type feel, you know, very, exactly. very tropical. Um, of course, that means that's where the U.S. wanted all their army bases and air bases and navy bases. So uh, that's probably where you have the biggest like contingent of Westerners, you know, just because there's so mm -hmm. many military bases there. Um, yeah. Hey, quick uh, skill testing question for you, Carl. What are the native people of Hokkaido called? Oh, my God. You got me there. <laughs> uh, that's the Ainu. A-I-N-U. Yeah, they are. Ainu? Yeah. I would never have gone. And they were they were like a uh, people that quite often had blonde hair and like blue eyes and stuff. And um, not that to that degree. But yeah. And they slowly got assimilated right into Japanese culture. And, hmm, um, and, and similar to probably what North America has done, they've 
their their cultures and traditions were really uh so, so crushed they were more by, yeah they were they were kind of prohibited and forced so they were more like russian heritage or you know i'm not really sure um hmm. yeah but they, they, were, they were definitely yeah <clears throat> so anyways yeah getting around japan is not as bad as people tend to think um you know i think trains can get expensive in japan but there's always ways that you can you know keep things on a budget definitely cheaper than taking a train plane bus or anything in canada ever so uh why do you want to talk about it or do you want me to jump in on this one no actually uh, i actually i can talk about that because uh Gator. it's still fresh in my uh life experience um planes are very good um somewhat cheaper than the other alternative so if you are jumping on a plane if you if you were considering jumping on a train and then you can look around and some time because of the density of population it's going to be cheaper to fly mm -hmm. that's what we did between tokyo and uh, sapporo mm -hmm. because the train were way more expensive than yeah. the plane yeah so you so you get uh, the biggest company is jetstar for local and uh you get um air asia as well inside the country yeah, and um, I, I flew a lot of AirAsia from Malaysia to Japan, and it was dirt cheap. So, like, even getting into Japan, if you're in the region, mm -hmm. can be quite uh, quite awesome price-wise. JAL uh, is also another one that is... Uh, JAW? J-A-W? Oh, JAL, um, like Japan Airlines. Yeah, 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 yeah. Japan Airlines. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was like, JAW. <laughs> yeah, JAW. Um, go ahead. Yeah, um, I'll jump on the train, because uh, uh, did you uh, ride the bus in Japan? So not on this trip, but I have in the past and I've traveled okay. with my bike on it. Yeah. Okay. So I'll let you talk about this one sure. because uh, um, the Shinkansen, the, the trains. So the trains of Japan, there are two type, I would say. The regional um, and then there is a Shinkansen. Uh, in the middle of that, you get like the mini Shinkansen, but uh, it's more like a regional train that goes a little bit faster. But mm -hmm. like, the most important thing, since we are a bi bicycle podcast is uh you have to uh you have to be well equipped we're going to talk about that a little bit later but um the shinkansen will let you board with your bike under certain condition uh that you have to respect not to the t's they they say that they that they're pretty strict but uh, we found out that you could you can just like be respectful and just jump in with the right gear and then they'll be okay with you um, as the subway, it's my experience mostly in uh, Tokyo, and uh, surprisingly, uh, I've been to Budapest and it was confusing. I've been to Montreal and it's confusing. I've been to Toronto and I find it still confusing. I'm easily lost in the subway, but in Japan, it's so hard to get lost with Google Map, with everything, with. Uh, all the app that you have to uh, go around that it's impossible for you to get lost and if you look lost somebody's gonna help you out mm -hmm, so. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and if you do feel like you're lost just turn on pokemon go and do something else right yes yes <laughs> mm. Yeah, so actually, like, in, in terms of the trains, I can add a little bit to that. So the Shinkansen, obviously, are the, like you said, the fastest ones. Uh, within your other train systems, basically, things get into, like, express and limited express and rapid. Mm -hmm. And and basically, what this is just meaning is that they have less stops. So 
you know, like the rapid ones are pretty quick. They're they're fast, but not as fast as the Shinkansen. And they'll have some of the the bigger stations that they stop at. And so it becomes a really uh, effective way to travel. So, um, for instance, from Nagoya this summer to Osaka, um, I think it was going to be just over a hundred dollars to take the Shinkansen, and it would take it would have taken one and a half hours or one hours one hour fifteen minutes, I think, to the Shinkansen Shin Osaka station. But then we would have had to travel across the city to where we were going to meet my son's mom. And instead, we took a rapid limited express, something like that. Um, mm-hmm. It cost roughly two thirds of the price, had way comfier seats. You had these massive cushy seats. Um, they had service carts coming through it and everything. And it took us right to the station we needed to go. And it only took about 30 minutes longer in the end. So, um, you know, so there are options and sometimes it might save you money, but the what was it called? The JR, the JR rail pass, right? Is what you guys had? JR rail pass. <clears throat> yep. Yeah. That's yeah, the reason why. How we, much did it cost you? I think it was around, um, we took the longest one, which was a 21 day. Right. Uh, because you have seven, 15 and seven, 14, 15, and 21. Yeah. 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 Something like that. And then I think it was, um, around five, $500. Okay. I don't, yeah. Around that. And um, what I know is right now, if you're booking for anything, uh, you're not in luck because it doubled. Yeah. It the price doubles since uh, October 2023, and uh, you get a, you get a little bit more. You don't have to uh, because the GR pass limited you to um, certain train, uh, certain uh, line like the Ikari mm. and the Hayabusa. Uh, and the Sanyo, uh, but uh, you actually will have access to every train with the new pass. But and every JR metro and subway and train, and local everything train. Everything and, yeah. and yeah. everything. It was like, I would still say if you're planning your trip and you know where you're going and you know what you're going to do, um, I think there's a website that you can calculate if it's going to mm. be, uh, if, if it's worth it to take the GR pass. But uh, if, for some reason you don't know and you want a, an insurance like we did uh the gr pass is awesome because you'll you will never be lost mm-hmm. and japan um was built around trains um as a transport as a primary form of transport so they are everywhere people were following me on instagram and they were saying they were telling me hey you're still on the train are you always taking the train but like over there it's like the bus so yeah, yeah, yeah. there are trains everywhere <laughs> yeah um yeah i think the the reason the prices jump for if people are interested in knowing is because they had this really great pricing scheme if you were a foreigner and not a resident so if you're if i was there teaching english or at school and stuff i wouldn't even be ex- able to get this mm-hmm. you have to be a foreigner non-resident and it made it really cheap but this year, since COVID has kind of come to us end, especially in Japan, they were much longer than everywhere else. Um, there was such a big influx of tourists that locals were finding it difficult to make bookings and stuff. And they're like, why, why are we having problems booking things when all these foreigners are here on the trains? And on top of that, they're getting it really cheap, right? So then the government, you know, somebody had brought that to uh, some through the court system saying it's discrimination against locals. And so thus this privilege ended um, and they jumped the prices up. So, I mean, it's, I mean, it's unlimited, 
unlimited so you can jump on any train any like there's some limitation but seriously it was so wor- like it was so easy to jump on everything mm-hmm. we calculated the cost after and it would have been like way more than what it costs today yeah even with the price increase so let's jump the buses buses i've taken um a couple times i took an overnight bus from osaka to tokyo cost about 50 bucks so definitely your best price your best bang for your buck um there's some challenges with getting these budget buses i i forget what the oh man i had the the name i feel like it's wilson or willie or something almost like the bike brand mm-hmm. uh but anyways there's a there's some budget buses in japan i'm sure you can google it and I brought a bike on there and it wasn't even in a bag or anything. I just took the tires off. I think I had that little carry bag I lent you and I had it draped over the bike and we just stuffed it in the bottom of the bus. They didn't care. And, um, very fast, efficient overnight. You save a night of hotel too. So it's, it's good. It's a, it's a great way to travel somewhere and not spend money. I've also taken it from Hiroshima to Osaka. Same thing. They leave a little bit later. It's like 1230 or so they leave at night uh, at night and mm-hmm. you arrive at something like 530 or six in the morning and they even park and you don't have to get off the bus right away. They'll just let you sleep for a while longer. So um, they have this idea that they know people are doing it as a business travel to save money on hotel. And uh, so it's great. Really good. If you can sleep on the bus. Yeah. If you can sleep on a bus, like if you're but a person like you Carl can... who can't even sleep on the ground, <laughs> uh, you're pretty screwed. Yeah. No, it's not for me. Like it's, <laughs> it, it's, it's perfect for you though. Yeah. Yeah. I can sleep anywhere. Um, and ferries, I've only taken one ferry ever, and that was to Shikoku. Um, so, Carl, you might have some more information on this. I think you guys maybe yeah. did more, but yeah, we did uh, two uh, ferry, if my memory is good. We did one between the Tobishima Kaido and the Shimanami Kaido mm. um, to join the two islands. One was really, really short, and the other one was between Shikoku and Wakayama. Yeah, that's the one I took um, yeah. because you cannot. Um, it's the one of the only bridge in Japan that you cannot ride on with your bike, so you have to take that ferry. Um, overall, pretty easy. Um, they will charge you for your bike as it's a vehicle, and uh, it's not that cheap. I know you told you told me you told me a situation where you like cheated the system and I thought about doing that but at the same time I was like oh I'm too tired I'll just go and pay (laughs) (laughs) oh so you actually paid and rolled your bike on oh yeah Uh, oh I didn't know okay yeah it was uh, after or last night uh, in Shikoku and then we just blasted to the island we went down uh, down the mountain that we just spent three day climbing and then we went directly to the ferry in the morning and then we oh, were okay. sure that we would be late. So we're just like, no, no, no way. We're just putting the bike in and then we're going to pay. I think it was 3000 yen. So it's not cheap to roll your bike. $25 or so at the Yeah, at this exactly. Yeah. yeah. And uh, there's a couple of words that's going to help you a lot uh, in Japan. Like Jitensha is one of the bicycle. one that I used the, yeah, the bicycle sumimasen so I'm sorry sumimasen <laughs> sumimasen I said it like I like to say that I've been fluent um, at the end of this trip I was fluent in 7-Eleven yeah yeah like, <laughs> I, I, I can have a conversation with the cashier and I know exactly what I'm doing yeah yeah um, yeah so what I had here is tips uh, the bike bag so excuse yep. me I got a cough I uh, a few years back 
I bought this uh, bike bag from Mont Bell, and it's not really a bag. It's more like a cover. And the way it works, and I lent it to Carl on this trip, so he used it probably a little bit, I think. Uh, but you pop your front wheel off, you strap it to the side of your frame, drop this cover over it, and then there's a strap that you hook from your seat post to your handlebars, and then you just sling it on your shoulder. And so that was what I did on the ferry. And at first they were like, no, you can't... Uh, you, you have to pay for your bike. And then when I did that, they're like, okay, it's a bag. And they just let me go up. They didn't care. So, <laughs> it's luggage now. Yeah. Now it became luggage instantly. Just a huge piece of luggage. But, um, you know, the rules they are rules. The, they do that in the hotel as well. Yeah. Yeah. If you roll your bike and you're going to be like, they're going to be like, no, 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 no. You cannot get your bike inside the hotel room. But if you cover it with that bag, then it's an oversized luggage. Everything is okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. So let's, uh, let's jump into internet. Um, I think it's a really important one because I've seen the progression. I've been going to Japan, you know, a lot over the last 10, 11 years. Cause my son's there. And, uh, for the longest time I used a portable hotspot that you'd rent at the airport. And, you know, for those pretty simple concepts, just a little portable modem that's runs off a battery and it's got a SIM card in it, you know, easy peasy, just got to keep it charged. I don't remember what I was paying, but it was also quite a few years ago, so it could have changed drastically. Um, other options are you can buy a SIM card. I've done that as well in Japan. Um, in the days before I had phones, I have eSIMs. And you could buy them from like, I mean, it looks like a convenience, you know, what is it? Uh, convenience. It, it looks like, no, it looks like a uh, food dispenser, you know, one of those machines, mm. uh, but it's got oh, SIM yeah. cards in it at the airport. At the airport, just, yeah. yeah, exactly. And just put in... 20, you know, whatever, 2,000 yen or 5,000 yen and you get your SIM card and it's got 10 gigs and you're good to go, whatever it is. Um, now I use an eSIM, super easy. I know Carl used the same one. Uh, I recommend it. No, I did it. not. No, you didn't? Oh, which one did you go oh, with? Oh, no. <laughs> I, uh, I've been, uh, I went with the, uh, the, the safe solution and you were saying like, oh, you pay 3,000, 4,000. I actually paid in Canadian, it was like 144, 44 Canadian dollar okay because we uh, we're aiming for safety uh, so I got a regular sim from SoftBank and uh, okay. I, I it was 30 so we were in Japan for 35 day and it was t 32 day unlimited unlimited data with not with no limit with no cap with no nothing oh okay so we're like oh you know what that's safe you don't have a phone number but what we wanted is data so it was perfect for yeah. us that's right yeah in japan you'll never have a phone number with any of these sims you get that's one really big you have to know um <clears throat> as well a lot of the cities have free wi-fi i always found it quite spotty and didn't work very well almost ever Tons of restaurants offer free internet, Wi-Fi, but the catch in Japan, unlike in Canada, is to use their Wi-Fis, they'll have stickers on the wall that say like Docomo and SoftBank and whatever. And you have to be using, so you have to be a, the customer, a, um, a customer of that company to access the Wi-Fi in that restaurant. So, I mean, yes, you have a phone plan with SoftBank, that's the only way you can access the Wi-Fi for SoftBank. So it's kind of shitty for that. Like, that's kind of a problem. It's a pain. Um, you know, Starbucks and 7-Elevens and Family Marts, I think, were different. Starbucks was. They used to be really confusing. You had to have a phone number to get a message to be able to activate the Wi-Fi. And if you're on any kind of tourist-type SIM card, you couldn't do it. So I would have to get my kid's mom 
to get the message, to send me the thing, to be able to connect to the Wi-Fi. Um, it's kind of problematic and kind of hard, but they got rid of that finally. It took ages. Um, yeah, so. Yeah, Japanese phone number is really useful, but you will never get one. So it's like um, booking camping or anything. You need a phone number, but you won't have one because you need to have a physical address and then to have a physical address and you you have like there's so many paperwork that you will never have a phone number so yeah, <clears throat> yeah let's uh should we talk about food japan japanese food it's one of my favorite things in the world you'll be better than me <laughs> you'll um, be surprised I actually just added coffee so huge tip on coffee if you're a coffee drinker and you go to starbucks in japan uh and you order a coffee on your receipt it'll say at the bottom Second coffee, 100 yen. You pay a $1 and you get a new coffee after. So if you're going to sit at Starbucks for a while in Japan, get your coffee. Don't throw out your receipt. Keep it. And then you can get a second coffee. Because a lot of Japanese Starbucks only want you to stay for like an hour max because they have lots of customers that want to sit. So you can't just sit there and do work for hours unless you're paying customers. So you get that second coffee, you're good for a second hour. Cheap rent. Or you're, Cheap rent. Or you're like me, and then you go for the boss all the time. And the boss is the the brand of coffee that you can find in any um, any like vending machine. Yeah, yeah. And then we were joking about like we need we need to have a meeting with the boss this morning. The the and hot then, ones in the can. It's like the warm yeah, ones. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. With you get warm or you yeah, get cold, yeah, yeah, but yeah. like yeah, warm coffee and vending machine. That's one of the luxury of Japan. <clears throat> Actually, yeah, and I didn't even add that vending machines. Um, Amazing. You could be in the most rural, defunct place you would ever expect to find a vending machine. You'll be going up a mountain around a corner and all of a sudden there's a vending machine on the side of the road. And you're like, who the hell uses this? You know, like, wh <laughs> why is this here? This doesn't make sense. It's um, so useful. Yeah. I I, met, I know because my, my son's mom, her aunt, they live in the countryside and they have like a little rice fields and gardens and stuff. And and they live halfway up a mountain and there's a vending machine right in front of their house. And they said, well, we got it there because the company will pay us a small percentage of the sales mm -hmm. and they pay us for having it on our property on that spot. So they're like, yeah, we make like a hundred dollars a month or something or, or even $10. I don't know what it was. It, was, it could have been anything, but they're like, yeah, it's great. But if we ever want a coffee, it's right there, you know? Yeah, but there's a the thing about the vending machine. It's like in the uh, North American culture, when we think about Japan, is always, oh, um, vending machine. They like they're gonna be filled up with a lot of stuff, and it's gonna be crazy. You can buy like a chicken, a hot pizza, or something like that. Um, this is true to a limit. In bigger city, you're gonna find vending machine with full with food or like exotic item or yeah something that you wouldn't see elsewhere but most of the time in those vending machine what you'll get is soft drink coffee water and energy drink and that's it i would say yeah 90 percent of the time mm -hmm. so what was your favorite uh energy drink CC, uh, oh, uh, energy drink, uh, Pokari, Pokari, so, Pokari sweat. sweat. Yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's kind of weird name for Canadians or for Westerners, but uh, Pokari sweat and is are, and, an amazing isotonic drink. Like it's so good. And they're in the normal, uh, water bottle. So yeah. for us, we look at this and it's like, no, no, that's not worth the price. That's just a bottle of water. But my favorite thing, uh, there's two things actually that I was always taking in those machines, always uh, buying is um, the CC lemon. 
mm-hmm. which is so good. It gives uh, it's I think it's one million lemon by <laughs> per bottle, but like no no kidding. I think they say like thirty lemon per bottle. And uh, the the this one's gonna sound crazy and not healthy at all. But the grape Fanta, the yeah, grape Fanta, good. yeah, the grape Fanta in Japan tastes like good. Concord, yeah, Concord raisin. So it's mm-hmm. it's it's better than what it's we have here. It's very good. Yeah, mm. my kid drinks that all the time. Every time we're at the vending machine, what do you want to drink? Fanta grape. I'm like okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, one of my big go tos in Japan, and I mean, even when I go to see my son. And I don't, even if I'm not touring 100 yen sushi, uh, I'm not sure if you guys hit up a lot of it, but I tend to every, every few days I end up having a meal for 100 yen sushi because for like $10, I can stuff myself with some pretty good sushi. Um, and I wrote down a few of the names. So Sushiro is probably the most com- uh, popular one. Then Kura Sushi, Kappa Sushi, and Hama Sushi. Those are the, the big brands you'll find throughout the country, but I'd often go to Sushiro. It's, uh, it's very good. And those are the conveyor belt, isn't it? Yeah, they're the kind of conveyor belt ones where you take off what you want. You can also order with their little touchscreen menus because mm-hmm. often a lot of people like what's on the conveyor belts if they're, it's a popular one. And so it's easier just to order and it, and then it comes flying down or gets delivered we went. Right in front of you. <clears throat> we went, but we were so confused about like how to order and everything that we're like, you're like we we need someone to help us. Oh yeah, <laughs> and, and then they're they're really used to the people that know how it works. So now we kind of know because it's it was a first and like a first experience. But uh, yeah, because yeah. even when you walk in the door, you got to go on their machine and you got to push the thing that says yes. like two people. And if you don't know how to do that, it's going to really dissuade you, and it's going to be like you know, it's, it's obviously just a stress inducer and might give you an early heart attack. But um, you know, sumimasen, point at the machine, do some kind mm-hmm. of gestures. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know what's going on here. And they'll come over and probably help you out. Pretty, no, pretty they, they, they will help yeah. you out for sure. Yeah. Did you go to any of these budget restaurants I wrote down about? No. Just wondering. No, you you sent me, you, we went to a Udon restaurant, but you sent me a lot of those. And uh, the, and between all of those, I probably went to uh, Gyoza no Osho. Yeah. Um, so the the um, Japanese dumpling, uh, fried rice and ramens, which are it's the a Chinese most common restaurant. Yeah, but super good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we went to a chicken wings restaurant. Oh. Uh, w- which is amazing. I haven't uh, been there. Yeah, yeah. They just like give you as much uh, chicken chicken wings as you want, and it, it was uh, it was really cool because the it was the uh, the image that you. Uh, like you know, we, we have an image of a, ra- a Japanese restaurant where you sit all around the kitchen and then they cook in front of you. Right, and like you at an okonomiyaki yeah. restaurant or something, right? Exactly. <clears throat> so we we went to that place uh, in Hiroshima as well, and mm-hmm. you, you you have like that kind of romantic view of how your meal is going to be, and it's you don't want to go to the to the tourist uh, spot, but you are uh, you have to go somewhere. So the um, the the one that we went uh, were Japanese dumpling, and then we uh, we went also to uh, to uh, to Hiroshima, and then at Hiroshima, funny thing is we were asking where should we go, and everybody were telling us uh, if you go uh, next to Don Don Quixote, uh, Don Quixote, I think the big seven story. Uh, store is like in Hiroshima next to it. Don Quixote. Don Quixote. Don Quixote. Yeah, that's Don Quixote. Yeah, like, you don't pronounce the J. Yeah. 
Yeah, and and then they were like, oh, you you have to go there. But one lady that we met said, oh no, there's my favorite place. You need to go there. And then we went to the place, and it looks like a storage unit in the wall. Mm-hmm. And we were like, no, nowhere, no, it's there. So we went in, small place, probably ten person max. And then we sat at the place. Uh, we we sat at the bar or at the kitchen. And then there's an odd place, odd plate right in front of you. Yeah. And you eat the okonomiyaki with Hiroshima sauce right on the plate. And that was a noodle based one, right? Like, okay, yeah, uh, it's a noodle based one. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Hiroshima style. Oh, it's so yeah, good. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so okonomiyaki is a very Kansai thing and Hiroshima. So Kansai being Osaka region and Hiroshima. And they always, so just a little history here, they always argue about where it came from first. So obviously the Kansai people say it's them. Hiroshima says it's them. The Kansai one is more cabbage based. Hiroshima, they put a lot more noodles Mm -hmm. and uh, they're both pretty awesome. So uh, yeah, you know, live the dream and eat them all. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Some really good, good. Like I wrote budget restaurants, um, things that are really affordable in Japan. Uh, Yoshinoya is a great little gyudon restaurant. Gyudon's when you have your rice and you have your meat on top. And it starts from like 380 yen, which is like $3.50 these days. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's for the normal size one. You can get egg on top. You can get a bigger sizes. I probably tended to get around something like $6 was uh, my average meal if I go to uh, Yoshinoya. Sukiya, very similar. Starts even cheaper. Have more ranges and sizes maybe. Um yeah, Marugame Seimen, I don't know. I've, I've been there, I think. Um, I've been to a few udon restaurants. Um, also a very famous one that starts from really cheap. If you want just, you know, just noodles from like 280 yen, you know. Mm. Um, Coco House, Curry House, Coco Ichiban is my favorite Japanese curry restaurant uh, chain anyways. Oh, yeah, they're in everywhere. Japan. Yeah, they're everywhere. And they are amazing. So they're they're if you like spicy, this is the place to go. They have a scale of one to ten, but you can't technically you can't order spicier than a five without being able to show proof that you've had other spicy levels before. So you have to eat like a five, then a six, then a seven. So that's what my buddy said who lived in Japan for a bunch of years. I've never had that. I've had seven a few times, and it is wicked spicy. Like your tears are flowing, you know. He told me he had a nine and he thought he was going to die. So um, if you're really into spicy food, uh, Coco Ichiban is amazing. Um, Just awesome. And then we talked about that. Uh, Family Restaurants is another brand. It's another name for a style of restaurants in Japan. And Gusto is the big one. The thing that's awesome about Family Restaurants, well, their food's pretty cheap. But you can order Drink Bar, which is like all the coffee and tea and soft drinks and um, that you could want, and it's just a few bucks, right? So it's uh, maybe I think there. I think I think you have a, a time, so you have like ninety minutes or yeah, to order maybe whatever something you like that. want. Yeah, but yeah. if you've been biking hard and you're like, oh man, I need an hour and a half time rest to to hydrate my body, and you happen to be in a city, which I don't know how you'd be biking hard to get into the city. This could be perfect. Um, and they also have weekday lunch specials that are like five bucks or five hundred yen ish. And it's like a main dish, salad, soup, rice. So you get lots for, you know, good bang for the buck. I have a good story about that, yeah. actually. In uh, Wakayama, uh, when we uh, cycled Shikoku, 
uh, there was this dead zone of no company, no 7-Eleven, no Family Mart, nothing. Is it along and, that uh, canal there, that long? No, no, no. We went straight up the mountain. Okay. So we, we, we went uh, in the middle of the island, and then uh, we went to Nagoro Village and everything. And um, so we it was ramens and what we had in our bag at this point, and uh, bean, red beans popsicle. Which is a, They're so disgusting. I don't yeah, like red beans. I, I have a picture of me. I'll send it to you. It's like my face screams happiness. Um, and uh, so we went to Wakayama after the ferry, and then we were like, okay, what we deserve. We met uh, two friends by then, uh, Sarah and uh, Matt. And Matt was uh, lived in Japan for m- many years, and he was like, okay, we need to go to this limited restaurant in Wakayama. And uh, you can drink and you can eat as much as you want. Beautiful. And uh, yeah, I would say, I would say you'll uh, be car- you'll get carried over because if you're uh, if if you if you go there and then you start to drink and then you start to eat and then you start to drink and then you're you're not eating like normal portion for the country. You're and, and by eating. drink you mean alcohol. Yeah, yeah alcohol. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm not a drinker. I'm not, I'm not drinking in my everyday life. So we had to book another day at the hotel. The because just we were recover. yeah just to recover we were shaking when we were reserving our second oh, night no. so be careful with that <laughs> <laughs> yeah I've been to a few of those um, not so much in Japan how much did that cost anyways I'm just wondering because I know in Korea it was about 25 bucks for yeah, all you can eat all you can drink for like three hours or something I think it was uh, 30 uh, yeah 30 dollars for the food and something like 20 something for the for the drink so 50 dollars okay. Canadian okay. and then you have I think it was 90 minutes. So it was short. So we made the best out of it or the worst out of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, oh, that same note too. Shabu Shabu restaurants have all you can eat for usually, yeah, 90 minutes as well. And mm-hmm. um, that's the hot pot and super good. I, I haven't been to one in a while. It's been a f- probably half a decade, but um, maybe next year. Um yeah, do you have a favorite convenience store? Your favorite kombini? Yeah, yeah, I'm partial to Seven Eleven. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm more of a Family Mart guy. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that was a, that was a big war. Actually, there's like the tree one, the Seven Eleven, the Family Mart, and the Lawson, Lawson Station. Lawson Station, yeah. And um, it's it's like you choose one, and you're like you're like sold to it. Seven uh, Eleven. I don't know. I don't know why. Mostly because they had. They had everything we want. There, some of the Seven Eleven has a little bit more uh, in terms of uh, everyday life item. When you're cycling the country, uh, finding soap, finding a new toothbrush, and everything. Family Mart and Lawson obviously had <sighs> that, but everything. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Seven Eleven is uh, is it's actually um, it's like Couchard. It's uh, it's been it's a Quebec company. I, I think they, yeah. they, the Quebec boy bought the Seven Eleven, So it was like, Oh, it's a little bit of a, or country in Japan, but mostly they're all the same. Don't yeah. ride past one just because you're love one. Yeah. And one really cool thing at the convenience stores that I only learned about this year. And I'm sure you saw them is power bank rental stations. So yeah. here's a really cool one. Everybody, um, when you go to your Seven Eleven or Lawson station or whatever family mart, yeah, family you, mark if your batteries are dying on your phone and stuff and let's say you have a dynamo and something's wrong with it or you're not stopping somewhere and you're like you're like I don't want to stop for three hours or four hours you can go and they have you can use a QR code install the app 
I'm not sure if it works. I'm sure it works with foreign credit cards. I haven't tested it though. Um, but you can rent a power bank and then on their app, you can see everywhere in the country that you can return it. So you could actually cycle to the next city five hours later or the next day you could arrive at the next city, go to a state and go to that convenience store, any location where it has them, put it in the machine, it locks it in and it does a return. And it's like, it's like a dollar, a hundred yen for an hour. And I think my son's mom said it was like 500 yen for a day, you know, like it's cheap. You know, in the event that your power banks are dead and you need a, you're waiting and you're like two days from now, I'm going to be at a hotel and I can recharge everything. Boom. Just rent some power banks. And then you can just exchange it over <laughs> and over and over yeah, again. Yeah. So you always have a battery pack. Yeah. Interesting uh, as Lawson Station is actually uh, started in America. Oh, and uh, makes the, sense. The last one, I don't know if anybody's listening that's ever been to a Lawson Station, but I don't know when they closed in the U.S., but it's something like 30 years ago or something. And they only ever kept growing in Japan. And now it's like the third biggest convenience store yeah, chain in Japan. And there's none left in the U.S. Maybe there's no. one somewhere. I think I might have read that there was one. Oh, really? They, they yeah. kept it. They kept just it just, uh, just for, for emotional reason. <laughs> they made it into a museum. Yeah. So some of the other big ones, Mini Stop and Daily Yamazaki is, a, is another one that's... Uh, daily like in terms of like a newspaper you know so it's um yeah those are pretty big ones um i i like i like whiskey and uh soda and the japanese ones are really awesome so i often uh end of the day on the way back to my hostel or to a campsite or whatever i always stop and i grab one or two of those big cans of suntory mm. highballs uh highballs whiskey soda and uh, they're awesome. Do you have anything like you don't drink much, right? But did you drink in no, Japan at all? No, I don't drink. I don't, uh, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I. I mean, I, obviously, the night you went to the restaurant. I'm mean, obviously yes, but like I would say, I would. I tend to take the 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 drink that has the least alcohol as possible, uh, because if not, my legs gonna feel it the day after. Ah, yeah. So there was this thing the the like the it was made by Suntory, uh, the lemon uh, the something Rattlers, lemon. right? Yeah, I don't think it's a Rattler, actually. Okay. I think it's like a gin and tonic, uh, some sort with lemon. Okay. And uh, it was, a, I think, three, three to five person alcohol. So it's not that bad. Mm. And, and it tastes really good. So I would recommend. And of course, you got all, they have a shoju and sake, which are slightly different, but I'm not sure how. I think shoju is made with, I think they're both rice wine. I don't know how they're processed differently, but I know no, it's two I different know. things. And I never really drink much in bars and clubs in Japan because it's so expensive. It, like, well, now compared to Canada, it's probably not that expensive. But um, prices in Canada have gone up a lot in the last few it years. It was so, but it's expensive there. It's not cheap. I've I've gone yeah. to a couple bars years back, and I was like, "What do you mean twelve dollars a drink or whatever?" Oh yes, 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 yes. We went and uh, we were quite surprised, and we decided to hotel hotel room uh, drink from yeah. now on. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, let's talk about um, what else? Accommodations. Um, mm-hmm. I think you you will have lots of good insight on this. I know you're also a member of the Free Camping in Hot Springs Facebook page. Yes, uh, I am. I remember when you first asked me about Japanese advice, and I said, this is the most important one. And you're like, oh, I'm already a member. Thank God. <laughs> and uh, did you guys use it a lot? And how effective was it? How Was it efficient? Was it accurate? It is. It is really useful to find a spot to sleep at night. Um, you have to be mindful that on this map, you're going to have a uh, free onsen and you're going to have camping. Uh, a mistake I, I made is I read it as you can camp at onsen 
And ah. this is this is not the case. You really have to uh, get the right layer for that map. Um, I would say, like I would say, it's really useful for free onsen. But most of the time, they are the other kind of onsen. Um, what's the name of them? They're smaller and people's own. Um, I don't remember the name exactly. Uh, uh, I think Ryokan. So oh, Ryokan, pri- Ryokan. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ryokan, yeah. And they're private, so it's 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 a little bit smaller. So and some of them are free, some of them are natural spring, and it's amazing. But there's not as much as you might think. Uh, they seem to be scattered all around the map, but um, the scale of Japan is something that you have to keep in mind. It's bigger than you think. It's Japan looks like a small island on the map, but when you cycle it, it's like 2,500 kilometer mm. across. So uh, you think that something's going to be close, and then there's a mountain in between. So planning to camp is kind of it, it's hard when you're cycling for two main reasons. There is camping, but they're expensive for most of them. Uh, hotel room actually if you're cycling as a couple and then you go to a camping you'll have to pay for a boat uh, just to access the the campground and then you'll have to pay for your tent mm-hmm. and some sometime it's going to be cheaper to just go to an hotel it's going to yeah. be nicer and you'll have a shower because yeah yeah and and also actually on that same note japanese hotels charge you on the at per adult so uh went to hotels with my son and his mom and we paid for two adults. Kids are free. Mm-hmm. Went to a Japanese hotel with just my son. Paid for one adult. Kid was free. Yeah. Um, so it, it, really a key thing to know. Because uh, A key thing to know would also be in Japan, the camping. Sometimes they do have shower and sometimes they don't. Because oh, in Japanese, okay. yeah, that's important. Because we're cycling. Uh, Japanese uh, culture is the onsen. So if you most of the most of Japanese like will go to a campground, set up the tent, and then drive to the onsen, and then shower, clean themselves, yeah, and then bathe, drive back. Yeah. When you're biking, and then the uh, the onsen is down a hill, a uh, three kilometer hill, and then you have to climb back that hill. <laughs> It's really pointless. And it's 38 degrees outside and you're like... <laughs> so the first the first campground we did, I had to shower myself in... Um, and sorry for everyone listening, but I had to shower myself in a colostomy, uh, colostomy sink with a little shower thing. And I was like really pissed because I was like, how is this place don't have showers? And I realized that... Green Sports, that's a name you have to remember if you like shower because Green Sports are uh, sports fields that offers camping and they don't have showers. Oh. Good thing to know. Green Sports. If you like, if you like to be clean after mm-hmm. a long day. Before continuing on with the show, I'd like to thank Panorama Cycles for sponsoring this podcast. Panorama Cycles is a bicycle manufacturer in Quebec, Canada, dedicated to backcountry cyclists that prefer gravel, snow, and off-road trails. They believe cycling is a catalyst for adventures of all sizes, and that there's no need to travel across the world or to be a seasoned athlete to live epic outdoor adventures. Over the past year, I've been riding the Chickshocks Fat Bike, the Catadan Gravel Bike, and the Taiga Mountain Bike. From everyday rides, bikepacking trips, and a multitude of races and events, these bikes have put a huge smile on my face every step of the way. 
while also getting me on the podium on the Wendigo Ultra Fat Bike Race and helped me set an FKT on the Canadian Shield 400. In partnering up with the Bike Pack Adventures podcast, Panorama Cycles also wants to give back to the cycling community, particularly you, the listeners of the podcast. By using the promo code BPA10 when purchasing a new bike from PanoramaCycles.com, you'll save 10%. For more information on their environmental commitments or to check out their bikes, head to PanoramaCycles.com. Now back to the show. Yeah, yeah. Um, I haven't done much camping in Japan. I've done a bit, but not a ton. Um, but I know lots of people that have. And one of those things they said is actually Japan is so lenient that you could pretty much camp almost like it feels like yes. you could camp anywhere. And as long as you're respectful and you're kind of like in laid out early, nobody cares. Um, nobody I know my buddy, cares. Adam Hugo, he would just like pitch his tent right behind the Seven Eleven or right next, mm-hmm. you know, a little piece of grass somewhere. Nobody cared. Like We camped in the park. Like the local told us to go there. We camped multiple time not in official campground and they were like yes you'll be fine and people were saying hi we were talking to people and then people are happy to see because because there's this culture of the respect for the traveler uh-huh. uh like you're they respect people on long trips so yeah yeah long journeys you got it so uh, it's a uh, it's a cultural thing so you will not be seen as someone that wants to cause trouble unless you're tr- causing trouble yeah so yeah, it's fairly easy to camp everywhere. People yeah. won't care. Yeah, other options, uh, obviously hostels. I've stayed in quite a few hostels and they can really vary in prices. So capsule hotels, which often get ranked as hostels, pretty pricey per night because they're kind of fancier. Um, but in Osaka, I was staying in a hostel that cost me, which was it? Let me think here. Yeah, I was like, 20 bucks a night you know so it was mm. it was cheap like as far as things can go maybe it was less maybe it was 15 it was it was cheap um yeah so really really good really effective um no complaints there um and everything's always clean in japan so yeah like you can't how can you complain you know like um it's so clean it is so incredibly clean the culture uh if you're a smoker you carry a little f- unfolding ashtray and you keep your ashes and your butt you don't even ash on the ground you know so that's how clean Japan is. So if you if you can, if you're listening, you're like, how clean can it be? Well, that's how clean it can be. Um, yeah, tell tell me how you tell me how clean you are when you're traveling by bike. Yeah, nobody's that clean. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean the reason why I'm telling you that is that's the thing. The culture in Japan is to bring your trash home. There's no public trash can. Oh, that's true. Like, yeah, here. So yeah, you'll end up carrying a lot of your trash cycling around well, when you're going to be in Japan that's the normal thing to do and then you'll find a 7-Eleven or a Family Mart and then you're going to say a lot of sumimasen and drop your stuff but there's no public garbage can yeah. so yeah, they're, they're not they're outside of convenience stores and yeah. that's pretty much it actually like, that's it yeah that's it that's, and, so and at you, the soccer game I went to a stadium and, and they actually had people holding bags to collect the garbage mm-hmm. as you left because obviously everybody in Japan picks up their garbage mm-hmm. um, I know everybody's probably seen videos of Japanese sports fans in other countries at the World Cup and then they're cleaning up all the aisles like it's so what it is like they're very very respectful of everybody's place you know um, on that same note uh, how about those Japanese toilets and the bidets did you enjoy that oh man <laughs> <laughs> There's still one on my Amazon wish list. 
<laughs> yeah, they're not cheap. That's the problem. Yeah, well, oh, they're I, like four hundred and fifty. Yeah, we have a we have bidets here. My wife's from Iran and stuff, and but we don't have like the fancy battery powered hot water warm hot water heated heated uh, heated seat rim whatever uh, everything you know. Uh, Japan is a Japan is a country of uh, extreme because you have <laughs> <laughs> you have those toilets. I, I walked into a, uh, a bathroom and then the toilets a seat opened automatically and a, a dim light was lighting up inside the the, the toilet itself and then the, I could hear like the eater starting mm-hmm. and then the the seat would warm up just before I sit on it and then you have Japanese toilet. The, the 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 classic. I think they're called uh, Turkish toilet and other in oh, Europe. Oh yeah, okay. Oh, I've yeah, I've, yeah. I've never seen any in Japan yet. But that's because really? I'm always in the cities and like I've always been in pretty, um, yeah. mostly Honshu Island. You know, so they're everywhere in Hokkaido. Okay. And then uh, yeah, it was uh, it, it was something when you walk into a toilet and you expect like that light like that light show of a toilet and then you just have a hole in on the ground and you're yeah, like you're looking around it like, <laughs> you have to make them pass out of it and don't try to not soil your, your shoes yeah 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 <laughs> well, i lived in malaysia a long time so i got used to those unfortunately but um <laughs> yeah actually I, you know what it even blew my mind was i went to a gas station once i was out for a run and all of a sudden i was like oh i gotta go to the washroom and i went to the washroom and it was like the cleanest cleanest toilet i ever saw and it was like gas station garage with mechanics around and stuff and even the toilet paper is folded into a point at the end and unbelievable you Um, don't see that here yeah yeah so anyways uh warm showers is also it's there but it's not huge you know it's a you're there's not a ton of hosts and a lot of people it's like they're members but they're not hosting you know so um, you might find some so not not to say don't try just give it a shot you know what I saw about warm shower or what I um, saw on the map is most of the people hosting are foreigner, like some mm. like uh, English people, uh, American people living Probably in Japan expats, and hosting. Yeah. yeah, expats living in Japan and hosting cyclists. Most of them. I yeah. think yeah. a couple of them in Sapporo and Tokyo were uh, Japanese, but most of them are expat. Yeah, and if you do go to Japan, oh, I want meant to talk about bathing culture. So if uh, if you do go to Japan, and you see these little tiny bathtubs that are twice as deep as Canadian tubs, and then there's taps outside of the tub and stools, like you're actually supposed to wash yourself with the soap and stuff outside of the bathtub. The bathtub is just for soaking after. So traditionally in Japan, everybody like you would wash yourself, clean yourself, wash your hair, and everything's rinsed. Then you go soak in the tub. Then you get out, the next family member would come in, wash themselves, everything, soak in the tub that's still full and it's not dirty because you're already the person that went in there was clean and then on and on. And, um, you know, it's like the, yeah, that's how it was done. Um, they are so high tech though. And I know my son's mom's place even has a button on the wall that it'll take that water from that tub and it'll flush it down and do for the first rinse of your laundry. So it'll use that water for the first washing of the laundry and then it'll use cleaner water for like the second round, of, you know, where it fills up the second time and stuff. And uh, it is such an eco- economical country. It is mind blowing how this system works. Um, yeah. And I see Carl's look on his face and he's like, no fucking way. Like, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, like at the same time, I think that they still use use like uh, CD players and like <laughs> in in big company and and, yeah, some, yeah, and yeah. facts. So, so yeah. it's a it's a really 
um, extreme, like yeah. I was saying. Yeah. So um, I hope I hope people are finding this interesting, at least. Um, where to go? I think we could kind of finish off by just talking about the various islands and like what you can experience and what you experience because you've cycle toured in Japan a lot more than I have. I've been very <laughs> regional to Osaka with my biking and aside from cycling to Hiroshima via um, Shikoku Island. So mm-hmm. let us know, Carl, what, what's the deal with Japan and biking? So um, Japan, Japan is perfect for cycling and at the same time it's uh it's kind of a it's how can i say that let me rephrase japan infrastructure for transport is excellent you can bike everywhere you can walk everywhere and you can drive everywhere Um, and japan culture is if you are traveling you need your infrastructure so they made the sidewalk even uh, over the regional road really wide they limit the speed limit to 50k an hour and uh, they uh, except if you're in the expressway and you will have a ton of space to ride your bike people will be super respectful and i never felt unsafe at any time anywhere in japan mm-hmm. riding even on the busiest road and people uh, people will drive their car at 50k an hour not 52 not 57 or like canadians 50 means go 70 yeah 70 <laughs> and if there's <laughs> if there's no police it's 90 yeah. so yeah no they're really respectful of you and uh they will uh make sure that they're not trying to kill you mm-hmm. um so as for the for the trip that we did we started in uh, Hokkaido we landed in uh, in Tokyo and flew to Sapporo and then we did the Trans Hokkaido it's um, you can find it on the ride with GPS if you ride Trans Hokkaido and it goes from uh, Sapporo cross up the mountain um, and then you will go over uh, the Hokkaido mountain then to two mountain pass actually and then you will go down to, uh, I think it's uh, Aomori. Mm-hmm. And then you just follow the coast to uh, to um, the last mountain chain. Uh, like I, I should have, uh, I should have write it down actually, but if you go on ride with GPS and um, you uh, you type Trans Hokkaido, um, maybe, maybe you can put it in the show notes, but uh, it's, uh, the, there's many things that were um, impressive to us is there is we were um, riding with gravel bike or big touring big gravel bike and uh, we had uh, gravel tires and we were expecting to hit some gravels because we were in Hokkaido and then we were doing the trans Hokkaido mm-hmm. everything is paved okay so I was going to ask is like did you guys find gravel? Is there is there gravel up there? Maybe somewhere. So over the the entire trip, we um, we rode hundred meter of gravel. Oh, you serious? In all Japan, over uh, over, I think it was a one thousand five hundred kilometer of of just paved road. Even in the most remote uh, place in Hokkaido. We were joking actually that like it was probably really cheap in like early 2000 and then they paved everything because it was paved like even the smallest road was paved mm. even even the 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 access road was paved so it's really comfortable to bike um 
Hokkaido is uh, wild. Um, this is actually where I found the uh, Trans Hokkaido. It's on the Hokkaido Wild, the website. And uh, there's not a lot of people up there. Um, you can see uh, what you see uh, on TV when they say, oh, uh, pe young people are moving out of those rural area and move back to the city. Um, there's a ton of abandoned houses and there's actually millions of documentary about those mm -hmm. houses oh, that, yeah, that sits there. And um, it, you can ride a full day without seeing anyone. And it's 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 quite something because it's flat, but there's big mountain. It's uh, it's gigantic on an island, which is uh, after uh, I rode on um, uh, on in, in um, Corsica, Sardinia. I rode in Sardinia, and I always felt like I was on an island. I was on Hokkaido, mm -hmm. and I felt like I was on like in in the middle of the u.s okay so it's it's so vast so big huh yeah and like did you spend time in tokyo before going to hokkaido because i imagine if you're in tokyo and you're like walking around the subway stations and tokyo station you're like this is so busy and then you go there you'd be like what happened so you know? no actually we uh we landed in narita and then we waited uh one day there uh we rented an hotel room and but narita to tokyo it's an hour, yeah, it's an hour. something yeah. trip. Yeah, so it's it's you're, it's not because you're landing in Narita that you're going to be in Tokyo. Mm -hmm. So you have to keep that in mind. Um, we flew to Sapporo to, uh, to to do the Trans Hokkaido, and after that we took trains uh, down. So the funny thing is, we took trains. Um, the first one was a uh, was a gas power train. Oh wow! The second one was yeah, it was really weird but uh it was only one uh one wagon and then we flew from the top of Hokkaido down and then we took another train that uh we went to Sapporo that uh, drove us to Sapporo and then from Sapporo we went down a little bit and then we took the Shinkansen and then with our bike the first Shin stash station um like Shin is for Shinkansen for Shin yeah for Shinkansen yeah um it actually means it was, new but uh yeah it needs yeah, new and yeah. it, it's it's, but it's really for the important. new station the Shinkansen yeah, yeah it's really important distinction because if you're in let's say Osaka you get the Osaka, Osaka station, station yeah. and then the Shin Osaka so you have to know because it's not the same and it's it's uh it's it's further from from one and, and yeah the other. yeah the Shin, Shin Osaka's it's not not close I mean it's not too far but it's across the no, river far, to the north yeah, yeah. but yes the first station on the Shinkansen was uh was the Tokyo station and uh it was quite funny us with a giant bike and like all or a mobile giant climbing bag and yeah. the back of like trying to walk around for like I think I think there was probably like 100,000 people in that area when we were and it was really hard to navigate because you're so big you have your bike and you have everything and then everything is smaller so you have to kind of figure out your way um, do your research before mm -hmm. you get there yeah um, good to know Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think Hanju, like there's so much to see in Japan. So it's really hard to give advice on what to see. But I think like if you're looking for imperial history, um, all of that is around Osaka, um, Kyoto, Nara. Did you go to Nara? I did go to Nara because okay. people told me to go. Uh, Matt actually told me to go to Nara instead of uh, Osaka. 
Oh, okay. Um, no, sorry, Kyoto. He told oh, me to yeah, go to Kyoto, Nara. Kyoto instead. Yeah, yeah. because it, it, it say that Kyoto is more touristy and Nara is more. It's it's the second one, mm. and it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not direct. Most of the most of the tourists will be driven to uh, to Kyoto and then back. Uh, Nara is the like forgotten one, so yeah. there's less people. It's it's nice. It's, it's a really quiet. beautiful. The, the deer were all around. The deer were amazing. I got yeah, a yeah. ton yeah, ton of pictures of yeah, those. Of course, yeah. they're so small. Yeah. So yeah, Nara's Nara's like the capital before Kyoto became the capital. So it dates back even further. I believe. Don't quote me on that, but I think that's right. And um, yeah, it's not nearly as grand as Kyoto. So if you've been, did you go to Kyoto or you didn't then? No, no, I didn't. Oh, you guys missed a lot. Too high. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah next you know time. what? I'll go back. <laughs> so I, I, I would say don't miss Kyoto as well, um, especially if you're on a bike, man. It's so cool to be able to ride around there and go to all these like just past ancient palaces, and um, it's, it's really, really something else. Um, Osaka is really nice for the castle and as well as the Himeji castle. So that one is past um, Kobe. It's probably like on a train. I mean, if you're going to go down to um, Shikoku Island, you're probably not going to go to Himeji castle because it's, it's kind of West of Osaka. Uh, it'd be where it'd be the, on the way to Hiroshima. If you're going by road, um, but I mean, by not crossing onto Shikoku, but it's a really cool. It's this bleached white castle. Um, very, yeah. very epic. It only reopened uh, maybe around 2012 or 11 or something, 13, something like that. Um, it was closed for renovations for like a decade. And, and it's pretty epic. So that's uh, one of the coolest ones I've seen. Um, Hiroshima, I mean, the history, right? Such a such an important thing to see. Ground Zero, oh, um, the dome, right? Yeah, we went hungry in the museum, and then we went outside. When we finished with the museum, we just sat on like a sidewalk, and we were like, "Okay, I don't, I don't want to heat anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I'm good." Yeah, yeah. it's uh, it's it's it's, uh, it's quite the thing to see and go to. Um, yeah. and I don't know if you guys went out of Hiroshima to where the Tori is in the water. You have to cross this little island. Yes, we did, did because huh? that's included with your GR pass. Oh, okay. The, the yeah. ferry is so. Yes, oh, nice, it's beautiful. Nice. Yeah, it's, it's very, very really nice. Really worthwhile. Gorgeous. Did you bring? Could you bring your bikes on the little island? Or? Uh, I wouldn't recommend. No, you just anyway. left them. Huh? You could just lock them up. Yeah, because you you walk to the beach and then uh, you walk to the to the temple and then you can mm-hmm. only go up. So there's no way. Yeah, there's there's no good reason to bring your bike. Yeah, I don't. I didn't remember. I, I went. That was quite a few years ago now. I when I did it. So um, yeah. Mm. And the other thing about Japan that we didn't really mention is you have almost no no need to worry about having your bike or anything stolen for that matter. Mm-hmm. Um, not to say it doesn't happen, but Japanese police have something like a ninety nine percent recovery rate. Uh, it is insane. Um, you know. We, my son and I, found an iPhone on the sidewalk. We went to nearest police station and just handed it in. They were saying thank you, and they're like, "We'll try to find the person." Or if they come, people know where they lost it. They all just go to the police station nearby, um, or they'll go to any station. Say, "I lost my phone, and I think it's in Nagoya," and they'll just send a message out to all the kobans, all the little huts, and find it. Happens um, to my friend. Happens money to my friend too. That, Usually, your yeah. money will be in the wallet. Not always. But more than likely, it is. My my friend lost his. Uh, it was uh, Louis. Where, um, he's cycling Japan right now, and he lost his wallet. And then, for sure, it was at the police station. 
there's actually a joke in Japan that if you drop something, nobody will pick it up ever, and it will turn into like a, a land like landmark of Japan mm-hmm. because nobody will pick it up ever. Yeah, and yeah. they have actually like quite often if something's laying on the ground, people pick it up and they'll put it in a position mm-hmm. that is closer to eye level, so it's more prominent. So they'll put it on top, like hang it from a fence or whatever it is if you're walking by, so that if you're walking, you'll see it be like right there, and you're like, oh. My we necklace, got a, you know. We we got an explanation uh, with a local about why um, your bike is probably safe there. It's uh, it's not only the fact of stealing something; it's the fact that if you get caught, and you will probably get caught, um, it, it's your reputation, your mm-hmm. ability to have a job, your ability to be to to have a, a girlfriend or a boyfriend, your ability, your family yeah, is gonna. Yeah. So it's it's really hard to do something and just get away with it. So people don't do it. If you want to know how crazy it is, we were in Sakai City. So that's where the Shimano Museum is. Mm-hmm. And we were in a parking garage for bikes. And as we're walking, as my, my kid's mom is asking like, oh, it's like, how can you tell if a bike is good? And I was like, look, just scanning the bikes. I'm like, that one up there looks like it's probably a pretty good bike. Let's, let's wait till we get closer. As we get closer, I'm like, okay. And, you know, it's it's not locked. It's only front wheel locked into the thing that anybody could go pay the dollar to release it. And I was like, oh, those are carbon fiber rims. Oh, the guy's got full XTR. Oh, it's DI2. I'm like, I was like, yeah, that bike's probably like 15K. And she's like, really? I'm like, yeah, like it really is. Like, <laughs> it's a really <laughs> nice bike. I'm like, damn, if I was a criminal. <laughs> yeah, overall, it's pretty safe. But uh, yeah. I was like, the guy in Japan and he was like you know what this is safe uh, I don't have to mm-hmm. worry about it there was no other luck I was blown away um, I've seen also like in the small neighborhoods and stuff really expensive bikes sitting in people's yards just against the house and I'm like what you just leave that outside like nobody yeah, in was a- Canada would ever do that and if you did well you would never do it again after the ne- first time you get stolen you know yeah, an, o- uh, an hotel uh, said that we should probably just leave our bike outside on a parking, a motorcycle parking in the middle of the streets. And we're like, no, no, we can't do that. <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, what about Shikoku? So I've only I've only kind of beelined it across a lot of Shikoku following the canal. Mm-hmm. Then I did go up into the mountains a little bit. And, um, and then, of course, the, uh, oh, man, I forgot the name of the bridge. Shimanami Shimanami Kaido Shimanami Kaido Yes So uh, But you could probably Dive more into this Like what Tell tell us about your You guys spent a bit of time In Shikoku You you actually You know Invested some time And didn't just Cut through So um, How the awesome original, is it? Yeah The original plan Was actually to follow uh, Along what you just said um, Just uh, Follow the coast And uh, Sleep um, sleep next to the next to the uh, to, to the sea and enjoy your time, and then um, on the Shimano Mikaido. So there's there's two main routes in Japan. One is really known, and the other one is um, dev- developing, but not. It's a, it's it's coming into something a little bit bigger, but it's not there yet. Uh, okay. Called the Tobish the Tobishima Kaido. So uh, Tobishima Kaido. Yeah, the Tobishima Kaido. You missed that one. <laughs> no, the, the Tobishima Kaido is actually you take it from uh, the Akinada Bridge. From uh, it's next to Kure. Mm-hmm. 
So you just cycle from uh, Hiroshima, you go to Kure, you go a little bit down, and then you take the Akina, Akinada Bridge, and then it's those little island. Um, um, it's uh, Shimo, Kamagari. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is amazing. And say, you, yeah, so yeah. you only have to like ferry hop just at the end of it, huh? Just at the end of it, and yeah. it, there's a cycling road. Actually, there's a there's a uh, like a spot on the road which is painted blue all along that you just follow. Oh, it's, it's like, beautiful. Think, Their paintings are great. Like that that is yeah. the most well marked bike routes I've ever seen. <laughs> oh yes, and then you just uh, ride around those islands, and then you can take a ferry at the end. You need to be mindful of the ferry schedule because there's not a lot. I think there's two per day and we were really lucky because we got one 10 minute before it was leaving. Okay. And, uh, so we did that. We choose that. And, uh, knowing that we would miss the first part of the Shimanami Kaido. So you got uh, like you took the ferry out of, uh, ok- Okamura right at the end of the, Okamura. Yeah, yeah. That's the last kind of. Stop. Yeah. Okam- Okamura. And then, uh, we jumped to, uh, um, uh, Omishima. Muna, M- Munakata. Okay. So, um, from there, uh, it's easy to get to the, uh, Shimanami Kaido. Ah. Um, and then it's big. It's the only, did you so ever, amazing, did, you, did you ever ride on the Shimanami? Yeah. Yeah. I rode the whole thing. So when I went yeah. to Hiroshima, I took that. Yeah. That bridge is biggest than like, I think that I think bridge it's about 60 kilometers of bridge, uh, uh, I think the, the, across the main, seven islands or something. Yeah, the main bridge, the main, uh, uh, the last one they built, I think it's a uh, four kilometer long, uh-huh. and it's about as big as every bridge that we have in Quebec and Ontario combined. Yeah, yeah. So, and uh, so we took that bridge, and then we met uh, Matt and Sarah that were on a year-long cycling trip. Okay. And uh, from England, and then we were talking to them, and then they were saying like, "Oh, we might think of doing that that road over um, over Shikoku." And there you go, you can have it if you want to. And then we just decided to um, to do it because we were bored of cycling. It's not boring, but it's flat. The Shimanami Kaido. Mm-hmm. So uh, we said, okay, we're up for a challenge. Let's do it. And then um, I think the elevation total was 3,500 meter. That's the total elevation across the... Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> no, over, over. I think, three or four day. Okay. So so it's quite something, but it's not crazy. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And uh, Shikoku is my favorite island. It's, um, it's it is amazing. Uh, I haven't spent as much time as you, and but I, and I saw your post and I was like, damn, like uh, it's it's beautiful. And then the climbing, and then the tunnel that goes up uh, in the mountain. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, so. Where did you go? It, uh, we went. Um, was it Okawa or something? You told me? I forget what you said it was. Um, sorry, I'm uh, a on my museum map town type thing. You heard whatever it was. Uh, oh, Nagoro, Nagoro, Nagoro is a well-known village. I think. Um, uh, many people cycling across that town took pictures and then posted it. It's the Scarecrow Village. Right. Um, there's that old lady. The, the people were starting to desert the, the, the village because they were moving to the big city. And then there's this old lady that decided to replace people with Scarecrow <laughs> as a placeholder. And uh, it's uh, some people find it creepy. I thought it was looking really cool. Like there is like... Yeah. 
still there's still like people living in this village but like the scarecrow kind of had to the uh to the to the feeling that this place is still like thriving and inhabited so um, you went you went there after you guys made your way down to kochi right uh did yes. you go, yeah you did go uh, no to kochi, no 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 actually no actually i didn't go to kochi okay. I, it was the, it was the original plan but uh uh, we were following the route, and the route was mostly going up the mountain. Okay, just up the mountain. Um, I I think it was a private road, so I will have to piece it together. But um, yeah, it was. Um, if my memory's good, uh, so that's the Mishima. We went up um, Nikobushi, uh, then uh, Tosa, Motoyama. Otoyo, that's really just in the middle of it. And then after that, a really small road over uh, Mount Tengu, uh, Tenguzuka, mm-hmm. Oshiai, uh, Tsuguri, uh, Mount, Tsugu, uh, Mount Tsuguri, actually. It's a, it's a really big mountain uh, over over the island. And then, like, really small road, uh, Amagoi, Waterfall, Kami, Kamiyama. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So you, we crossed it through the mountain. Cool. And yeah, it's seriously, it's 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 the best place. I've haven't been to Koike to Kyushu, mm-hmm. but uh it's so far it's my favorite one probably because I saw it. But uh Right, right. And um you you did go to um you did go to Kyushu, but just a bit, right? You were right on the edge. That was about it. Like just, just, uh, just, uh, yeah, just Kito Kyushu. So this, this is where the uh, Shinkansen stop. Mm. Um, so we we just went there, yeah. crossed the bridge. I, yeah. I did a quick Google search, and I was like looking up like cycling routes in Kyushu, and man, does it come up with some epic looking stuff. Like I wrote one down: y- Yabake Cycling Road in Oita, and I looked at pictures, and I was like damn this looks amazing you know um and there's so many of them so i think uh you can't go wrong if you just search wherever you are what's worth seeing Mm. um yeah the they say the north coast of uh angshu is beautiful as well yeah yeah if you go like northwest yeah like toyama or like yeah 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 Yeah, it's supposed to be really nice um when you went to wakayama did you guys uh head up towards um oh man koya mount koya uh no, actually, because I was uh, dead on on going to Osaka okay. to see the uh, the um, the Shimano Museum, and right. uh, at this point we were uh, not late, but uh, we had to uh, we had to to go back to Tokyo mm-hmm. in uh, like faster fashion. So we went to I- I- uh, Iga, Nara, yeah, Kazagi, all those city um, up to. Uh, up to uh, we were aiming for um to, to be in fuji fuji a couple of days later okay so, yeah so do you guys did you guys cycle all the way then from kyoto basically to tokyo more or less oh no we took some train we cycled a little bit, a little bit. yeah we wanted to go around uh the mount fuji yeah so the fuji classic so we decided to skip a little bit in the end and then go directly to mount fuji and then Freaking camp hey, around man, that's awesome yeah that's beautiful I mean, like it's hard. It's hard to get the real impression. Like you know, when you see when you see aerial photographs of mountains, it's always like peaks on peaks on peaks. Mm-hmm. And then if you look at a satellite view of Mount Fuji, it's like flat all around it for like a hundred yes. miles, and then there's just this one massive mountain that sticks up. It's just there's nothing like it in the world. I think like it's it is 
it is really mountainous around Mount Fuji. It's just because it's so flat across the mountain that you can't really see the oh, fact that okay. you're going to be up and down all around oh, okay. the mountain. Is that what it is? Yeah. Oh my God. I remember that day. I still have that video on my phone where I'm just like literally screaming at my phone. And it was like, this is the stupidest thing I've ever done in my life. <laughs> but I was really happy. It was a uh, 52 degrees Celsius that day. Oh, was it? Oh yeah. It was scorching. Um, but, uh, but Mount Fuji, it's, um, so what it's is the Fuji most, classic? A Fuji classic is the, the kind of like, it's the hotel. It's, it's two hotel that are on the mountain. And um, that Fuji classic is actually going around, getting close to the hotel, and then going to, um, what's the name of that city? Um, Fuji, Fujiyama, I think. Could be. Yeah. Uh, up, uh, Fuji, Fuji Yoshida? Yeah, Fuji Yoshida. Or Fuji, Fujinomiya, south of it. Which one, north or south? I don't know. Uh, Fuji, Fujiyama. Okay. Um, yeah, the, the thing with this city is <laughs> I was romanticizing the uh, hotel there, um, which is the uh, Fuji, Fuji in Fuji Sanhin. And uh, I, I wanted to go there, but it's a really touristy city. Oh, okay. um, yeah, most of the most of them, I said that over Instagram and I said, I'm trying to stay neutral. But my friend uh, that was cycling just behind me, uh, Mike Norton, he, um, he went there and he said, OK, no, I get it. I get it now. It's uh, it, this is where the tourists from Tokyo stop. So mm. it's uh, it, people are not as patient as you would see in the rest of the country. Right, right. Yeah, you're, yeah. you're no longer anything special. <laughs> no, 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 you're everywhere. And yeah. Fuji, uh, just to come back on Fuji, um, here we're so used to see like mountain and then cloud, but the mountains are actually, the top of the mountains are in the cloud. But yeah. like when you see the first time on Fuji and then you your eyes goes up and then you see the cloud and it's like, okay, that's the top of the mountain. And then your eyes goes up over the, the cloud and then there's still a mountain it's like yeah 3800 meter that thing is massive that's pretty epic huh mm. well that's that's awesome man um yeah so I, I i mean you know we're we're not telling you where to go cycle there's so much to see but um hopefully all this advice kind of just makes the experience in japan easier mm -hmm. better less stressful um and hopefully we had a good story or two to uh, to share along the way. I, I don't really know what else to talk about. Um, I have a couple of notes, actually. Yeah. Oh, go for it. Yeah. So uh, that could be uh, really helpful. Um, uh, they say that uh, you need cash. And uh, um, that's true to uh, to a certain point. Uh, credit card is mainly accepted nowadays. There's some place that's just going to take cash, but it's quite rare and you'll probably be in a remote That's location a yeah yeah but uh, uh you can if you don't want to use your credit card all the time there's like you can get a prepaid card that is linked to, to your bank account and just transfer like there's some that are actually not charging you for over like over c fee mm -hmm. so um yeah i, I was I, using the wise card uh this summer in turkey I, I was using the Ko card uh, in Japan and it was so easy. I would just do a, like a regular bank transfer to that card and it was like using cash for me. Uh, and most 7-Eleven, uh, Family Mart, everybody will take that card. So that's a, you don't need that much money. Like we mm -hmm. we ended up having to spend it all on the last day and I think we had like 
oh my god, I think we have $1,000 worth of yen. So 100,000 yen to, yeah. to get to the country, and then yeah. we wouldn't be able to spend it all uh, if we didn't go on the splurge on the last day. Yeah, yeah. I brought uh, I brought a bunch of cash, and I was using cash like crazy at the start, and then I was like, whoa, I gotta I gotta hone back because I'm gonna run out, and I'm gonna need cash at some point. I mean, there's gonna be mm-hmm. a day where I'm like, oh, I really need exactly, cash. And, uh, exactly. So then I just started tapping everything. And five years ago, Japan wasn't like that. You had to pay mm-hmm. cash for almost everything. Um, you know, you could probably play in convenience stores, but not in a lot of places. And it just wasn't accessible. Now everybody takes cash because of COVID. So yeah. if COVID did one good thing, it uh, it brought Jeff and Japan to the 21st century with regards yeah. to paying for stuff. As for as for uh, cash, yeah. you'll have a lot of it. You'll have like small change. And if you go to 7-Eleven or Family Mart, they have like the automated, uh, automated uh, cash register which you just drop your money in there. Mm-hmm. So instead of just counting your money, just drop it all in there and then they're gonna count it for you and then it's just gonna give you back your change so you're yep. not holding the line, which is really bad in Japan. Um, uh, the camping um, are very hard to book. So ask a local, oh, okay. they're gonna be able to help you. And most important thing for us cyclists is the check-in is closing at 5 p.m. So if you are cycling to your camping and then it's 5.30 or 6, it they're closed. They won't let you bike in. There's no late check-in. Oh, wow. So, yeah, so you have to make sure that to reserve in advance and to, there's no way after 5 o'clock they're still going to be there. So keep that in mind if you want to camp in a official campground. Um the bike bag uh the mobile bike uh, bag um seems to be accepted uh everywhere and when i say accepted is like they know that this is a rinko bag and they they know it's a mobile they know that this is a proper bag to board the train with so if you go there and you have an off brand let's say an off brand uh, rinko bag they will probably Sometimes they will not accept you on the train. On the Mobile, we never had any issue. Did um, your buddy buy a Mobile one as well? Absolutely. Yeah, he, he, did, started, huh? he, he started with another one and he, and he was like, no, you know what? I don't want any trouble. I will buy the Mobile. Oh, no way. Okay. Never had an issue. He gave uh, his bag away to someone and that poor bloke only had issue with uh, like the, the train conductor they were like no 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 this is not a bike bag this is not so it's 50 i think it's like nowadays i think it's like 45 to 50 dollar yeah but buy it buy it you'll save a lot of headache mm-hmm. and i've used uh, it in other places i've used it in sweden on the train because you're supposed to pay half price for a bike mm-hmm. put my bag in the bike uh my bike in the bag or the bag over the bike and then no problems you know yeah. maybe one time a conductor tried to cause problems and then some Swedish person started yelling at them and then they left me alone. So <laughs> my saddle was taking out the bag once and they say like, no, no, you cannot board the train. You cannot board the train. And I was like trying to explain a lot of Sumimasen and uh, Onegashimas. And then they were like, okay, you can go, you can go. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, last thing, two, two more things. Mm-hmm. Um, don't ask many question if you want to board the Shinkansen with your bike. Um, it, the more question you ask, the 
the graders are the chance that they will not let you board the train or they will cause a fuss. Um, if you just look like you know what you're doing, they will absolutely think that you know what you're doing. So just grab your bike, board the train, put it in the oversized, uh, oversized compartment, and then you're good to go. Don't forget to reserve that oversized compartment uh, before boarding the train, yeah. which is, I think it's the aisle one on many Shinkansen, any. And uh, I think that comes to the non-confrontationalism of Japan, you know? Yeah. If you start asking questions, then you're giving them the opportunity to answer. Exactly. And you might not like the answer. But if you just kind of work it like you own the place or you belong and you know what you're doing, mm -hmm. they're not going to confront you because that would also maybe cause them to lose face. You know, so mm -hmm. you're putting them in a position where they have to be the one confronting instead of the other way around. So, um, mm -hmm. yeah. So by it's, not asking, it, sometimes it's easier. It's like camping in park. Mm -hmm. um, you better to just go and then leave in the morning than trying to ask everyone around to know if you can camp in right, that park. Right. Um, last. Um, yeah, I would. I would had. Um, it's not everyone that speaks English. Um, you might be surprised. Um, yeah, that's right. We never talked about how little English is. Yeah, yeah. They don't speak English. So be prepared to know a little bit of uh, um, words to uh, go around. There's actually a great selection on the uh, bikepacking uh, bike pack adventure website. Oh, that's right. Uh, I, I put that yeah, article on there. Yeah. Helped, it, it helped a lot. I read that and uh, it was uh, written on my phone. Actually, it was my screensaver on my phone. And um uh, yeah. It, yeah, it helps a lot. Um, they don't speak a lot of English. Uh, one good app that you can have too are Google Map for translating what you see. So for photo and everything. And you mean Google uh, Translate, not Google Maps. Oh no, yeah, Google. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Google Map, Google Translate, and um, Google Translate to translate what you see because you can take the photo mm -hmm. and then just translate. And they even have the they have the conversation function now, which is really cool Ex too. So exactly, can, yeah. but I would I would switch to uh, another app that it's called Deep L, and Deep L has a more natural sounding translation. Oh, okay. For, yeah. Deep L like D E E P L L. Yeah, yeah, and it's uh. It, it, it's more natural it's more a natural way to uh translate the sentence you're trying to 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 to, to get through so the uh they it sounds more natural for someone that speaks japanese interesting um, very cool didn't know about something, it something something you, you just say uh, google map uh the funny thing with google map is when you're trying to show people on your phone where you're wanting to go and that should be on the podcast that's really important you're trying to show them on your phone where you're trying to go keep in and mind your phone's, your phone's in english, in english. <laughs> i was really confused i was like hey no i just want to go there and then they didn't know it's like exactly like you when you're trying to read japanese like they don't know what is the what what is this word it's just although symbol. they can probably read it but like to them it yeah. just they, they can't make that connection that like not i'm gonna use osaka as an example that'd be very obviously not yeah, a real example but they'd be like osaka but they wouldn't connect that to the two kanji that would make Osaka. Just say and, it. Just yeah, say yeah. it. Sometimes, sometimes if you're showing it and they won't know what they're looking at, and if you say Osaka, 
they will be like, oh, okay, yeah, Osaka, yeah. I get you. I don't, I don't think that would happen with, for example, Osaka or Tokyo or something. But like, if it's something no. more detailed and like yeah, min- yeah. minute, you know? Yeah. Mm. Um, I was Look- going to say also tipping. It's not a thing in their culture. So nope. if you attempt to tip, I've had people chase me down the road to give me my 50 yen back. Um, the one time I tried. So it's just not worth the effort because they don't do it. They work hard for their money, which is their salary. And they have the expectation that, no, like I'm not doing any more for you than I would for anybody else. And I work for what I'm required to do from what I get paid, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so yeah, don't try tipping. It's just not worth the effort. And it actually sets maybe a precedence that's not a good precedence for the country, you know? Maybe some people will start to expect that, hey, oh, foreigners always give tips uh so i should really give preference to them and like you know so mm-hmm. which could cause more conflict than it yeah also the the country is still smoking um, a lot uh, yeah a lot it's uh it's quite uh a, it's quite surprising when you come from canada and the usa where it's like the the smoking faded away a couple of years ago um, so there's still smoke room, but there's still smoke, uh, still uh, smoking hotel room. Uh, make sure to uh, keep that in mind when you're booking your yeah, hotel, that's right. because if you're sensitive to, to to the smell, you're gonna have a hard time to adjust in those. So yeah, keep that in mind. There's smoking option and non-smoking option still in Japan. Mm-hmm. And lastly, for me. <laughs> um, the only way to not the only way but like the easiest way to go from uh central tokyo to uh narita when you fly back to the country because you're probably going to fly out of narita uh is the skyliner train and uh, all like every train you'll you'll get into in the country you uh, are better to reserve the seats that are at the back because you, that means you're kind of you're going to be able to just put your bike behind your seat because they uh, they're not going to take any space, and then they're not going to be in the way of people, uh, except for the Skyliner. This is the only train in Japan that you shouldn't uh, reserve the rear um, seat. Just get there's eight um, eight car eight car on those train. Reserve the uh, the last seat on the seven, and then get in by the hate i know it's really look confused because your buy is going to be at the front of the train not at the back of the train so just reserve the one that are closest to the front of the car or mm. and then you won't be in the way like trying we to walk did. down an aisle with a bike and like oh no they won't everywhere. let you they won't let you and then all i could see is my bike being in the way of everyone mm. and i was i was feeling so bad you need to yeah, you yeah. need to be as less as a disturbance as possible yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's the the thing in Japan is to like you should not cause other people havoc, you know. So mm-hmm. bikes uh, create a lot of havoc, and uh, so this is definitely one of the hardest things to manage in public transport. Awesome, man! I can't believe this went an hour and a half. Holy crap! I yeah. uh, <laughs> I thought it was going to be much shorter, but this was great. Uh, it brought mm-hmm. back lots of good memories of travels in Japan, and. Um, mm-hmm. And I think some really worthy stuff, like where to eat, what to do, what not to do. Um, I, of course, I jumped to food right away, like oh, where to eat, <laughs> what to drink, what to buy, the convenience. I didn't even talk, talk about curry pan. Like curry pan was my favorite thing in Japan this time around. Um, these amazing buns full of curry sauce, and uh, you find them in all the convenience stores. Awesome. Anyways, 
What was your favorite convenience store food before we go? Oh, uh, the um, curry, uh, the beef curry with rice, which is kind of like brown and looks like nothing, but uh, they eat it for they. Uh, oh, like that's one it. of the one of the meals on the, the shelf. Yeah, right? one of the one of the meals, uh, um, and then they just reheat it for you. They give you everything to mm-hmm. eat it, and it's like it's delicious. It's full of calorie to get you going, um, and and then for sure the uh, the the pork bun. In every Seven yes, Eleven and buns. Family Mart, the pork buns. This is this is like, and then the um, onigiri, onigiri for sure. The yeah, onigiri, the rice, the was, rice balls, well triangles. Yeah, I think they're tri- yeah they're triangle. The onigiri is a rice ball with uh, sometimes tuna, sometimes salmon, sometimes yeah, eggs yeah. in the middle uh, in the sheet of nori. Uh, this was so good that I uh, bought everything to make them at home, and then I bring them in bike ride. Oh yeah, has so, it has it been working out well? Like, oh yeah, it works yeah. really well. It's super weird when you eat it around people, but uh, it's a yeah, it's yeah. a it's really it's a it's a power food. And they're easy to pack in your jersey pockets uh, when you're traveling and everything. So yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm I'm a big like you know when you walk in they have the hot counter and I'm like pogos, curry pan, mm-hmm. steamed buns. That's that's my jam. Yeah, awesome. The, All right. Well, on that note, Carl, let's uh, let's end this recording and mm-hmm. uh, talk other stuff off air. Yes. Awesome. This was great. Um, thanks for all your time. Thanks for for being here and doing this. I know uh, we have like two varied varied experience levels in Japan, and it kind of brought it all together. So uh, super that fun. Was really nice. Awesome. Talk to you soon. I want to end the show by thanking all my listeners once again for the emails and comments I regularly receive from you. It really helps motivate me and keep me going with this project and to continue sharing people's amazing stories. If you have questions or comments, you can email me at bike at bikepackadventures.ca or go to bikepackadventures.ca and shoot me a message through the contact form. You can also check out the webpage for past podcast episodes, bikepacking routes throughout Canada, blog posts, videos, and touring tips. Lastly, I'd like to once again thank all the individuals and companies that are supporting the podcast. If you are enjoying the show and like what I'm doing, you can become one of my show supporters by going to patreon.com slash bikepackadventures. And for just a few dollars a month, you can help keep this show going. You can also help out by sending a one-time donation through PayPal. This money all goes back into the podcast, help me to cover the costs associated with running the show, buy new equipment when necessary, and produce the high-quality content that you've become accustomed to. Much appreciated and keep on pedaling.